Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Give a really warm welcome to Tony McLennan. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm just going to ask Greg if he would... Uh, Join me on the platform as well as Frank and uh, anyone who was with us yesterday. I think I saw Rod there. Rod should join us. And uh, anyone who was with us yesterday in whatever capacity, even if you just opened the doors for us and then went home, we'd still like you to... Did I see Rosalind? Rosalind was with us yesterday. Would you like to join us? We need someone good looking on the on the, uh, on the uh, platform. And Lynette is there. And Lynette's wearing an Australia for Jesus God Revolution t-shirt, which... Uh, she procured a great expense, so thanks for modelling that for us, Lynette. So, uh, yes, uh, I'm going to get uh, Frank just to briefly uh, talk about his impressions of things, and then uh, Greg will w- w- wind things up. So thanks a lot, Frank. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, yesterday was a great time from the seminar up here, mini-seminar early in the morning. Very, very encouraging, and, and uh, I had actually said prior to this that I wasn't going to go out into the street and do this. Um, it was out of my comfort zone. I've done many other things and I have no problem talking with folk and probably prayed individually about 200 folk to come to Christ, but I'd never done it in this way. And uh, so it was really great. And we had a great time down the street there yesterday. Found it very easy with a method that Tony introduced to be able to talk to people, show them some pages, show them some scriptures, ask them some questions. And the response really overall was very welcoming. Uh, people were open and receptive in most cases and um, we're still alive to tell the story. We weren't executed, we weren't, you know, and uh, so, and it may be a challenge for you today to, uh, it may be a season for you to step out of your comfort zone as I stepped out of mine yesterday using technology. Amen. Thank, thank you very much, Frank. Just stay there and uh, Rod, stay there. Greg, Greg is uh, coordinating things for us locally in Tamworth and has done a great job in helping pastors to raise up soul winners in their local churches and certainly that's what Pastor Bron and Pastor Darren want to have happen here as well as Candy, as well as Andrew and anyone else involved in the leadership of this wonderful assembly. So uh, Greg, just tell us about what you do and what you're Okay, I'm going to be very naughty here and go off track. Um, I saw some friends come in to this fellowship, which is great, and they would know that um, I'm a Vietnam veteran. I was in the infantry. Uh, We used to go out patrolling from fire support bases, and we were on the front line. They were on the front line yesterday. You say, well, you be on the front line. Well, it's all right being on the front line, but I mentioned a fire support base they provided support. They used to have artillery. We used to call them long-range snipers, but they were fairly accurate. And I believe it's a bit like prayer. Prayer in the firebase, the church here. Pray for those out on the street, because while they're on the streets, they're changing the atmosphere. They're changing the atmosphere here in Tamworth. Praise God. And Greg, what was the uh, actual result from yesterday in terms of numbers of partial presentations of the gospel, full presentations of the gospel, actual sinners' prayer, people who wanted more information? Can you, have you got those statistics in your head? I'll try. <laughs> so we had uh, 
what we call nine partial presentations. And please, after uh, we have the service, come out to the table there and we'll talk more about it. So we, we had nine partials, ten full presentations, and seven sinners' prayers. Praise the Lord. We also had others uh, request information. And the beauty about Tamworth is that often, as we go out every fortnight at the moment, uh, we see these people again. And I've had the opportunity to witness people that originally asked for information then they've said the sinner's prayer. So welcome them into the kingdom. Thank you. So praise God. Now, we won't interview everybody else. Nathan, thanks very much for joining us because you did a great job and so did Lynette. I know Rosalind was there at the training and uh, so was Rod. And it was just so encouraging to see, you know, really mature Christians who are wanting to get in there and share Jesus with others. And they, what I discovered when talking to uh, Michael Harris, does anyone know Michael Harris? He's now over in Gunnedah, but I think he lives here in Tamworth. And uh, he, he uh, felt that it was a bit of a challenge for him, and even though he's an experienced businessman, uh, and yet uh, before we were through, uh, we'd led uh, people to the Lord, and uh, there was a tremendous response. It's nowhere near as difficult as the devil would make out, but of course he would make that out, wouldn't he? So I want to let's give a hand to these wonderful... Uh, uh, participants in the campaign. Thank you, Lynette. Thank you, Rosalind. Thank you uh, very much, Nathan and Rod and Frank. And uh, of course, there was a, a very good turn up. And I want to thank Candy for that because she did such a grim, tremendous job at crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's and making sure we were well prepared for everything. Now, I think we've got a presentation coming up here, which I'll refer to. Uh, and um, <clears throat> uh, I just wanted to, to say uh, from the outright, uh, about my own background, and I did explain this in the first service, so if you come for a second, you might get something similar to what I've already said. But in 1974, I was a young captain in the army uh, in a, a place called Canungra, which is sometimes known as the Jungle Training Centre, and uh, I was there on a particular course, and I was having a beer on the Saturday night with the Catholic chaplain, because I was brought up in that church, and I was asking him, Father, why don't we see miracles taking place in the local church the way you read about it in the early church? If you'd pressed me, I might have said the book of Acts. And uh, he, he gave me some answer. I don't remember a thing he said. If he said good night that night, I don't remember a thing he said. Now, there must be some reason for that. But at that moment that I was asking this question, a man by the name of Pat Donovan, uh, who was also on this course, who'd been at, at Duntroon at the Royal Military College, had been a bitter atheist. Uh, not just an ordinary atheist, but a bitter atheist. Fellow, he had to answer and, and knock down everything to do with God. And I was a devout Catholic. I, I'd go to Mass and I'd go to communion. I'd go to uh, confession, often, in my case. And uh, so, so I, I, I like Pat, but he had a very incisive mind, but uh, his, his doctrine was all over the place. So anyway, he approached us while we're having this heart-to-heart you know, -heart with the Catholic priest. And uh, he said... He said, can I join you? I said, look, you know, Pat, uh, we're having a religious conversation. I don't think it suits a person who's an atheist. And he said, well, maybe it would. You know, what are you talking about? I said, well, if you must know, I'm asking Father here, why don't we see miracles taking place in many local churches the way you read about it in the early church? You know, or any, from what I knew. And uh, he said, well, I, I can tell you the reason. And I thought he was going to say something unkind, you know, something we've been using some rather rough words to describe what I believed, you know, B and S and things like that. Uh, I won't expand those expressions. And he, and he, um, he said, I, I'll tell you why you don't see miracles in a lot of local churches. That's because they don't have the Holy Ghost with them the way he was with them back then. 
And I said, how do you know anything about the Holy Spirit? He said, I became a Christian six months ago. One of his soldiers... One of his soldiers in the 2nd Cavalry Regiment took him along to a healing meeting and he saw a little boy whose eye was up in the top of his head. He saw his eye come down normal during the uh, presentation and he thought "From he thought there's more to this than I first thought. You thought I was going to say more than this that meets the eye, didn't you? <laughs> and uh, and uh, he, he said, I began to look into it and David, David led me to the Lord. And I said, well, tell me more. And uh, he shot down in flames everything that the priest said. He shot down in flames everything I said. He'd learned a lot of Bible for an atheist in six months, I tell you. And, uh, and I came under conviction. I said, well, what am I to do? What am I to do? And he says, you need to repent and ask Jesus into your heart. So I went away to my room that night, knelt down by the bed and prayed a simple prayer, good old Catholic active contrition. Oh, my God, I'm sorry. Now I'm inviting Jesus into my heart. And I got into bed. Thought nothing more of it. Next morning I woke up a new man. You know, the light was different. It like dark glasses had been taken off me. I went out for a run that morning. Now I'm not I'm not, not a track athlete. I'm more a, a person who throws, you know, hurls the discus, things like that when I was at military college. But I, I beat everybody. And I beat everybody because the burden of my sin had definitely rolled away. So when I caught up to, to uh, Pat at uh, breakfast... Uh, I said to him, Pat, I prayed that prayer and I tell you, I feel different. He says, you've been born again. And I said, well, I'm in for a penny, I'm in for a pound. And he said, uh, well, you need to be baptised in the Holy Ghost. So he arranged, and I thought it was rather kind of the Catholic priest to give him the key to the Anglican chapel so we could go and pray for me to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that, that's very sporting of him, don't you think? And that night the Holy Spirit came upon me, it was like being hit with about 10,000 volts and I, when I walked out of there that day, it was like I was one of those. Remember the old Hoover ac, vacuum cleaner ad that used to sort of float on air? That was me. And when I got a Bible out of the military Bible, library, which had, I think, never been opened, I think there were moths flew out of it when I opened it. It certainly creaked. It just exploded in meaning. So what I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, God is real, heaven is real, and if uh, heaven is real, hell is real, the devil is real, and uh, we've got an urgent message to tell others about how they can be saved. Even if they seem unreceptive, they hear you. Remember when Paul and Silas were in the jail singing hymns to God and praises to God, the prisoners what? The prisoners heard them. The prisoners out there who are prisoners of sin and are under the shadow of death, those people are actually hearing you. And we found that yesterday unprecedented to have a 70% result from, from anywhere uh, across Australia. So God's spirit is hovering over Tamworth, and I believe he's got Gunnedah in his sights and Armadale and the towns around about for us to go out and in a compassionate, clear, compelling and complete way share the gospel. It's a nice thing to offer people a cheery, Jesus loves you. It's good. That's a great thing to say. Don't stop doing that if you're already doing it, or God loves you, or God bless you. But it's even better if you can position the situation where you show them a presentation of the actual gospel. And we've got it so that I borrowed Greg's uh, phone here, and I'm in trouble, Greg, so you'll have to help me out. But what we, what we do is we, we can put it, this presentation right on your phone. It's called The Way of Life, and you can pretty well tell if you call something The Way of Life, it's because it's talking about Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's go to the next slide. Anyway, I'll talk about that little thing on the phone in a moment. So you can see there that um, 
there are three things that you can be involved in uh, to bring about the transformation of the city, of the region, of the nation. Do you know that attendance at church is very low in Australia, not just because of the pandemic? I took some figures from Eternity newspaper back in 2019, October. John Sanderman was reporting, and I put the figures together. It showed 6.5% of the population was actually attending church regularly. That's not very high, is it? So a lot of... Now, you could, look at, you could look at it as, as a disaster or you could look at it as an opportunity. I, I'm looking at it as an opportunity, okay? And uh, so if we're praying for the lost, that tells God that you're serious about bringing people to Jesus. The second thing is presenting the gospel. Now, you actually pr- need to present the gospel. Uh, and uh, presenting the gospel means you spell it out for people what it is, but you've got to do it in a certain way, otherwise they're not going to be responsive to your offer to hear about it. And the third thing is we parent new believers. We become a spiritual mum or dad for those who are coming to faith. So if you lead someone to the Lord, you're, you're in charge of them unless you sensibly delegate that to someone else and make sure there's a proper transference of the relationship. Then we go to the next slide and you'll see there that uh, we've had quite a lot of campaigns over recent times. This is slightly old data, but don't worry about that. Uh, our latest month... The month of July, we've had 68 campaigns. Now, what is a campaign? Is exactly what we did yesterday. It was one campaign or one team went out sharing the gospel across Australia. The figures now are 1,700, over 1,700 campaigns have been conducted since we started. That's a lot of people going out and sharing the gospel across Australia. And, and then uh, 3,400 response prayers. We're all the way from Sydney, all the way to Geraldton, all the way from Adelaide, all the way to Northern Territory and, and, and uh, elsewhere. So if we go to the next slide, uh, you'll see there that they're just some of the figures that we've been... And now we're averaging, it says there a goal 20... We're averaging 60, over, just over 60 campaigns per month. Now, already I'm told by our development coordinator that we have 44 campaigns for the first two weeks of August. So if you extrapolate that, we could be well over the 80... And this is, this is people breaking out. This is the gospel breaking out. Anyone ever had the measles or chicken pox? You know how they break? Well, this is the gospel breaking out. You know, it, it's no surprise that the gospel can break out because in the Bible, uh, Paul was referred to as a pestilent fellow. Did anyone remember that? A pestilent fellow. A pest for short, I guess. So, so the gospel is, is not a disease, of course, but it, it looks to the world like it is. Okay, but it isn't. It's the power of God under salvation to everyone that believes. Let's just go to the next slide. And uh, people being baptised. Uh, this is worth talking about here. You see that young man being baptised there, okay, right in the middle. He, he was a commando, a sort of SAS trooper, and his father-in-law asked me to talk to him about his career. And uh, so we sat down and we had lunch in the city of Sydney and... And his, uh, he revealed that he was, practically speaking, an atheist. He gave himself two out of ten for his spiritual life. I would have given him minus two out of ten. Uh, but, but he had a very low appreciation for anything spiritual. And he was just wanting to get on in life and how to handle things. And I said, look, you know, physically you're a great specimen. Mentally you're as sharp as a tack. Uh, financially you've got it together. Socially you're a very, very well organised and personable individual. But there's this part, the spiritual part, and you need a philosophy of life that stops you from making purely emotional decisions. You've got to be in touch 
with real wisdom. So I've got this little presentation that I'd like to show you. Now, I had an office at that time, being the CEO of Bible League. I had an office in the Scots Church. The Presbyterians were very, very kind to me. You know, any jokes about the Presbyterians being the last up in the rapture, well, uh, is probably not true, by the way. Anyone ever heard that? The dead in Christ will rise first to meet the Lord in the air? They're first up in the rapture? But the, the Presbyterians were very kind to me when I was... Uh, when I was with Bible League, and they lent, lent me have this office in the heart of Sydney. And, and uh, this young man came into uh, a chapel that we had there, and I was showing him the way of life presentation. And when we got to the words, do you believe that Jesus died for you? I just changed a little bit to, do you believe that Jesus could have died for you? He it started off by saying to me that uh, he didn't believe in anything to do with God. When I asked him, what do you think is the point of life? He simply said... There's no point to life except to reproduce. He'd only recently got married, so I guess it must have been on his mind. And, uh, and after that, uh, I said, what happens uh, after you, you die, you know, when reproduction is no longer possible? He says, oh, you leave a legacy, which I thought was a reasonable answer, sort of, you know. And uh, I said, um, do, 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 how do you know that's the truth? And he said, look, oh, how, do, how could you know? Uh, it's just what I believe. And I said, is there a, does God exist? No. Is there a heaven and hell? No. So here he is. This guy is the sort of guy who, who is really tough. He could, he, he could go in an aircraft and be dropped out at 10,000 feet, balloon into the ocean, swim towards his life raft, row to an island and fight the enemy, that sort of guy. You know, he was really a tough guy. So I knew I had a real hard case on my hands. So, so by the time I got through the presentation, I got to this. I thought I'd soften it a bit and say, do you believe that Jesus could have died for you? And uh, he, he simply said, this atheist said, could have. And as soon as he said could have, the Holy Spirit fell upon me. And guess what? The Holy Spirit fell upon Daniel, the guy next to me, there in the Scots church. I wonder the last time that had happened there. I don't know. And, uh, and, and he, he cried out. Now, he was, he's not as easily scared. He said, he said, what's happening to me? What's happening to me? I said, it's the Holy Ghost. He's come to reveal to you the sin in your life and the need for righteousness or the judgment that will otherwise come. And he said, well, what do I do? What do I do? I said, you need to pray this prayer. It's called the sinner's prayer. So I prayed the sinner's prayer, and then he stumbled outside and rang up his wife. Now, ladies, you know that women are much more perceptive than men. And when he rang up his wife, his wife knew that something was up. So she said, what's up? And he said, oh, oh, oh I, I think I've become a Christian. And she said, What? She demanded to see me. And she said, why him and not me? I said, your turn's coming. And, and there he is being baptised. There he is testifying. And there he is with his wife after she was baptised. Let's give the Lord a praise clap for that. Eh? All glory to God. If you want a copy of his testimony where he gave it at Life Source Christian Church, a church, you know, very big church in Sydney, uh, I'll be very happy to provide it for you. So what I'm saying is God is helping us. He's calling us to do this, and it's a wonderful privilege for us to be involved in this ministry of reconciliation, helping people become friends with God again. And if we go back to the next slide or go on to the next slide, uh, this is just a little bit of the way of life. The first slide, we simply say, I'd just like to show you a few, uh, this little presentation called The Way of Life, ask you a few questions to see what you think. And the first question is, go to the next slide. Uh, what do you think is the point of life? And some people say happiness or what have you. Then we go to the next slide and the person might say, what do you think happens when someone dies? I say, well, you go into the ground and that's the end of it. And go to the next slide and we say, how do you know that's the truth? 
Uh, does God exist? Can you know him in a personal way? Uh, is there a heaven and hell? Uh, we get various answers to that. But the fact that we're asking people these questions in a non-demanding way helps them feel more engaged with the presentation, that they're, they're more likely to, to tell you what their points of view are. And uh, the, the next question is, is there a heaven and hell? And then some people say, well, we all go to heaven. I said, does everyone go to heaven automatically? You know, I've been to a lot of funerals. As an ordained minister, I've been at a lot of funerals, more than my fair share, actually. And uh, I, I've noticed that I've never been to a funeral yet where the celebrant says, we're here to celebrate the life of John Doe, who is now burning in hell. I've never heard that yet. Everyone says he's gone to a better place, even though there may be not a fragment of evidence to support that notion. So a lot of people have the idea, somehow God's going to work it out. He's going to excuse me because my track record's pretty good. Who, who's ever come across that point of view? Yeah, one of, yeah, some of you might have even thought of it yourself. And then, so we go to the next slide and, and uh, uh, we might ask, you know, well, just suppose you were to die tonight. Now, we wouldn't want that to happen, but, you know, just suppose that theoretically you died tonight and you're standing in front of God and he says to you, now, Daniel, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And Daniel, the atheist at that time, said to me, it's a ridiculous question. There's no God, there's no heaven. So I thought I was a bit stuck there. So I asked the Lord, what should I say? And the Lord gave me the words. And I said to him, would you like to hear what most people say? He said, yeah, what do most people say? He said, most people say, I tried to be good. Will you please let me in? And he said, that's not a bad idea. I'll keep that in mind. And so we go to the He was joking, of course. Go to the next slide and we tell people the good news. And the good news is you can't make yourself good enough for God. Is God hard to please? Well, God has only one standard. That's perfection and absolute holiness. And we can't achieve that ourselves. And we illustrate that by showing this next illustration, the next slide. We show a picture of a cake, a picture of cake coming up. Next, next. We run out of slides. The fry... Have we got another slide coming up? Something, something's happened. Well, we've got a picture of a cake, and it's a gorgeous-looking cake. And uh, someone, ha unfortunately, has poured a little bit of kerosene on the cake. And in consequence, we ask people, would you be able to eat that cake with a bit of kerosene in it? Just a little bit. And people say, no, I never would. It tastes like kerosene. And they say, well, that, that's one example. And we talk about a rot one rotten egg in the omelette. And we explain to people that it only takes a little bit of bad to spoil, spoil a whole lot of good, Right. And uh, that cake, it's going stale, isn't it? It hasn't come up yet. Uh, we'll have to see it later. It must be something's jammed on the system there. So, so look, um, we'll leave that alone whilst the uh, – uh, I think we're making too much of that message, you can't make yourself good enough, God, because God's got a much better plan for us. But uh, what I'd like to do now is turn to the Scripture and talk to you about uh, something actually uh, in Matthew chapter 4. And I'm just keeping my eye on the time there. And uh, – yeah, I think we've got time just to fit this in. If Matthew chapter 4 occurs uh, in Matthew's gospel, of course, uh, at, and describes the time when Jesus had come out of the wilderness. You know, remember the wilderness? He's tempted by the, devil, by the devil. And then he comes out of the wilderness and he uh, begins by, we begin with a prophecy. And the prophecy says um, in verse 13, he departed into Galilee and having left Nazareth, he, having left Nazareth, he went and dwelt at Capernaum by the seaside, on the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali, 
that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, land of Zebulun, oh, we've got it here on the screen, okay, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness. Now let's just pause at that point. You are living in the light, but the people out there are living in the darkness. If you believe a lie, Jesus says, if the light that is in you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? And we see every evidence. So I'm actually in a director of an organisation called the Australian Institute of Family Counselling, and we know the extent of mental disorder, mental torture, mental and emotional ill health that's affecting our beloved Australia and our fellow citizens of this great nation. Even now we know what's going on, okay? There are people who are living in darkness. But with you representing Jesus and bearing about within you the treasure in this earthen vessel, the Holy Spirit, they'll see in you a great light. The people living in the land of the shadow of death. You think about a shadow of death reaching over people. People don't know they're in the shadow of death. I just hear people saying, you talk about hell, that's what we're going through right now. They've, got, of course, got no idea, but it does tell me that they're not having a good time. And, uh, but to those in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And the very first words Jesus utters as he comes out of the wilderness are there on the screen for us in the yellow. Could we read them together? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. If we go to the next slide. I'll carry on for a bit here. But what happens is that Jesus goes down to the shore of the Galilee. He comes across Simon and his, his brother Andrew, and he calls them by saying to them these words. You want to read them in the yellow? said, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. Brothers and sisters, they're the very first words that Jesus speaks to his disciples as recorded in Matthew. And first words mean a lot. You know, you, you, you talk to your pastors, I'll tell you, there is a, a law of first mention in the Bible. First words tell you the whole heart of the matter. So the whole heart of Jesus is for sinners to be repentant and for his followers, for his disciples to follow him and he's going to make them effective at bringing others to Jesus. Isn't that exciting that he's going to be the one to make you effective? And, uh, but you have to set yourself up in a certain way. And the two little things I'd point out here for you, it says that um, when he called them, it says in verse 20, at once they left their nets. Isn't that remarkable? And then he goes on to see the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and it says, and immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. So there was, there was no reflection. There must have been such a compelling sense of the identity of Jesus upon them, such a, a sense of the anointing upon him that they were totally ruined for their normal occupation and just had to go on and be with Jesus and follow him. So taking that into account, let's just focus for a little while on these words of Jesus. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Let's look at the very first word, the very first word in the next slide, come. Now what, what that is saying to us is he wants us to come to him, to come and be with him. You know, in the Psalms it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain that build it. Unless the Lord keeps the city, the sentry watches but in vain. So when we come to him, we're signifying that Jesus, 
You are the answer. You are the only one. I remember, I don't know if you ever remember the, the, the great singer Annie Herring from the second chapter of Acts, uh, which was really a Jesus revolution thing, probably dates me a bit, uh, very popular in the 70s and 80s, and some of you I don't think were born then. And, uh, but Annie Herring gets up and says, she gets up and says that Jesus said to her, you can have fame, she was a great singer, you can have riches, you can have the world's honour, or you can have me. So Jesus is saying, come and be with me. The second thing Jesus is saying is, follow me. And what Jesus was, it was very much for the individual. Remember Nathaniel under the tree? Do you remember Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night? Do you remember Mary at the tomb? Do you remember Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus? Individual after individual after individual. The woman at the well, the man who was cast out of the temple who had been who was blind and now healed by Jesus. Very much for the individual. And he wants you to be very much for the individual. Don't despise the day of small things. And the third thing he wants you to know in relation to this very, very powerful verse, his call to you is that if you follow him, the next slide tells us, he says, I will make you. He'll put his hand on you. We, we, we think of the words that it says about Elijah the prophet. The hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. Imagine if the hand of the Lord is upon you. Well, the hand of the Lord is upon you. And it's especially upon you if you're out to win souls. Because the Bible says quite clearly, Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? To save sinners. He didn't just come into the world so we'd have a nice lifestyle. He didn't come into the world so our family would be well integrated or that our jobs would work out well and there'd be blessing upon blessing, although all of those things are true. He came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says on reflection, I'm the chiefest of sinners, he says. So Jesus said, I will make you, his hand will be upon you. And the th fourth thing he says in this very, very succinct verse is you will have, you will be fishers of men. That is that men and women and young people will come to know Jesus because of you. People like Daniel, people like his wife, Alicia, people like Duncan, whom you don't know, people like Edmund. I've got to tell you this one story before I finish. I met Edmund back in the mid-90s over in Adelaide. He was showing great promise. I was doing management consulting work at that time and he looked, he looked good for our firm. So I invited him to come over and be with us for a trial period to see how it worked out. And I challenged him about the gospel even before we left. In fact, we met with him and his very beautiful girlfriend over dinner at night. You don't get restaurants anywhere in the world as good as those in Adelaide, I might say, and I don't even come from Adelaide. And we were, at, we were over dinner and I said to them, uh, <clears throat> well, actually, I was paying for the meal because I was the, the proprietor of this particular company, or at least a co-proprietor. And, uh, and instead of uh, having dessert, I gave them the gospel for dessert. And they pushed back, oh, we're happy for you, Tony, but it's not for us. Anyway, about two months later, this young man came over to, to work with us and his girlfriend followed him, wanted to be with him. And, and one Saturday afternoon, they were catching up on some sleep about one o'clock in the afternoon at their home or where they were staying. And uh, this young man was a real, he was a real, uh, what would you call it? A, what do they call it? A chick magnet. Have you ever heard that expression? Is that still current? 
so he'd known a lot of ladies in his life, and he was, you know, he had the abs, he had the, you know, and, uh, and so, so uh, he, he was a guy from a worldly point of view was was admired by many other men as being a man of, you know, great charm and all this sort of thing. So, and there he was in bed with his girlfriend on a Saturday afternoon about one o'clock, both of them asleep, and suddenly he feels this pang in his chest hits him in his chest and he wakes up and he gets out of bed he looks back at this beautiful girl in bed next to him and somewhere or something in the room says to him you're just using her for your own pleasure and he who had not even cried at his mother's funeral that's how hard-hearted he was he broke down and collapsed in in grief over his sins fell into a chair about 10 feet away and cried and howled over his sins for 40 minutes, brothers and sisters. The girl woke up. She tried to console him. Nothing worked. She tried to ring triple zero, but couldn't get three zeros in in a row. She finally gave up. He waved her down. And after 40 minutes, the Lord said to him, Edmund, this has got to stop. How happy was I? How much rejoicing could ever one have when Edmund put his hand up and said, I'm following Jesus. Now, brothers and sisters, that all came about because someone was prepared to sow the Word of God into someone's life. And God used that for His glory. Okay, Edmund is a married man today, very sensible, very successful, a lovely wife. They serve in Camberwell Backwood Baptist churches. They've run many Alpha courses, both of them being baptized. It's a different lady. He married a godly girl. I actually saw the time when the Holy Spirit fell upon her. And... Uh, they have a lovely daughter who is full on for Jesus, 110% if you could say that, 200% for Jesus. So that's the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, brothers and sisters. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.